Worksheet with Peas Box Season 2. Oh my god. Thank you guys for being patient with me and giving me time to get myself together for Season 2 and the best part of it, I have an amazing first guest for us. We're kicking Season 2 with someone special. Now this man has brought magic into my life and hopefully is about to bring magic into yours. So, allow him to introduce himself. Hey, hey, hey. Hey Paula and her listeners, I'm Adam. Um I'm a magician. Yeah, I do magic for a living. It's a pretty fun way to pretty fun way to make a living for sure. Well, um is is not only a magician. Now, it might be kind to y'all, but I'll tell you is um is a magician, is an author, is an inventor, is a keynote speaker. Oh my god. What are you not? <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate it. It all does stem from, you know, in one way or another from magic, which is um, you know, it's kind of what I wake up, eat, breathe and and live is this idea of um moments of disconnect through astonishment. So, whether that's doing it on keynote speaking or or um, you know, really any aspect, but I think it all stems from that that idea of magic. Cool. So, I know the story of what got you into magic, but my listeners don't. So, how about we start with that? What and how and what made you take magic seriously as a career path? Uh, I started learning. I got into it when I was 6 because a friend fooled me and then I learned the trick and uh and then I fooled my dad with the trick and it was just a, an awesome feeling it was you know one of the most powerful feelings i can ever remember having is this idea that the smartest person in my world that knows the answer to everything was fooled by something i did so that that kicked it off after that i was hooked hooked for the rest of my life um they say you don't get into magic magic gets into you and it's very true at that moment i was like well okay this is what i'll do forever Um and then you know for a career I went to college to be a teacher and uh right when I started doing student teaching or shadowing they called it teacher shadowing uh I realized really quickly that it wasn't for me and I could make a, a lot more money having a lot more fun with magic so about the end of my college years I said I'll make a go at it and started just with the performing magic shows um and then it blew up into other, and then to inventing magic and then to keynote speaking um and just sort of branched branched out from that wow i did not know you wanted to be a teacher interesting <laughs> yep. i have a i have a degree in education so oh, i'm still cool. paying the student loans off on it for sure <laughs> but um you know it it at least you know it's a, it's an interesting subject to talk about college and and like a lot of kids i mentor are in college um but they're going through college knowing that they don't what they want to do has no doesn't matter if they have a college degree but you know it's still a nice thing to be able to say you've you've started something and saw it through to the end so even though i'm not going to probably ever use that degree i am glad that i got it true that's very true now i know i've mentioned not only are you a world class magician by yourself and after inventing keynote speaker which means 
Lost of magic. <laughs> so, what kind of magic and performances do you do, and which do you prefer? I do a bit of everything. I don't do a lot of kids shows. I do two, one or two a year at my kids' schools.、Um, but I do strolling magic, which is intimate walk around magic, where you, you know, a wedding, a cocktail hour, something like that. Sleight of hand. I also do a stage magic, which is you know standing up on stage and doing more of a, a comedy magic show, and then I do a keynote speech with magic in it as the the basis of the speech, talking about how thinking like a magician can help solve your business problems.、Um, it's a tough question to say. What do I enjoy the most? I mean, I think no, it's pretty easy. I think I enjoy performing close up magic the most. I think that's where you can connect the most to other people, where it seems the most impossible to the spectators, but also, you know, it's not where you get paid the most. You you get paid about a third of the amount doing a walk around magic show as you would a keynote speech. But on a walk around magic show, all you're doing is magic, so it's fun. On a keynote speech, I do maybe two magic tricks, and the rest is kind of talking. So. What do I enjoy the most? If money wasn't an issue, then it would be just strolling close-up magic for sure. Good to know. So now I'm a traveler, so I had to ask this question. <laughs> I know magic has taken you around the world, well, some places. So, where's the best best place that magic has taken you, and、uh, which is your favorite performance that you've given so far in those places that you've?、Mm. Um, you know, it's a good question. I think probably the f- most fun trip I ever went on performing was the castle in Hollywood, and it's not out of the country, you know. But it was that was the most fun I had performing.、Um, one of the, my favorite places that I've gone was London, doing some work in London, meeting some people out there, and my current business partner.、Um, So out of the country, probably that trip to London, and overall most fun performing I've ever had was、uh, the week at the Magic Castle in in Hollywood. So why was that your best performance? It's just a, the Magic Castle is this place where it's a castle on a hill, and it's a nightclub where people come to watch magic. So it's just a really great audience. The way it's set up is. There's just nowhere else like it in the world. There's no other performing venue that that comes close to what the Magic Castle feel is. Gotcha. So I know 2020 Corona happened and、um, pretty much affected all of us in one way or the other. But with you being an entertainer, I know a lot of places are to. And so, how did that affect you, and how has it been doing everything magic digitally? It's affected. But I mean, I lost, you know, one hundred and thirty thousand dollars worth of work in a month and a half. It, it took my entire year, where I thought I was going to have the best year I've ever had, and it flushed it down the toilet. So,、uh, it sucked terribly. But In that, it also gave me a lot more time to stay at home with my kids. It also gave me the time and the ability to start a company that I'm starting with my partner.、Um, you know, it's the there's the people that bitch and moan and complain about things, and then there's the people that just accept the reality of things and and try and stay positive and active through it. And I've tried to, and I'm continuing to try and choose the the latter, where it's just 
okay, you know, what opportunities does this open up then? And so far, you know, it's it sucks. Financially, it sucks, but there's some probably some really cool things that will come out of it. So I'm learning. I'm learning, learning the new norm like everybody else, you know? True that. Some people say it made them slow down. Did it also do the same for you? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, to an extent, um, but I've also never been busier and... <laughs> You know, we're we're launching a company during a pandemic, which has been really hard. But um, it allowed me to to stay at home more, and I think that sort of forced me to slow down. So I, you know, I think I'm all. I always try and slow down a little bit, at least once or twice a day, just some some time for myself. But um, this has definitely kept me closer to home and made me um, appreciate what I have instead of getting frustrated with it. You know. True. Gotta stay positive, right? Yes, 100%. Alright, so now I'd like to dig in into the multi-talented person that you are. So let's talk about some of your inventions. What was the most amazing or fun thing to create in your magic world? Um, uh, it's well, the, the biggest thing I've created, mon- like financially and just viral sense, was this thing called pyro, a fire shooter. So you strap a thing on your wrist and you shoot fireballs from your hands. And that was fun. The whole thing was fun. The development was fun. The, the, the way it was received was fun. But as far as like the, the most fun process of inventing something, um, you know, they get more fun with everything that happens because it's like I'm learning all these things along the way. So I used to make magic for another company and I learned a bunch of stuff there. So everything I was inventing was the, the most fun at the time. But now the magic I'm making is for our company and it's it's a whole different way of thinking and, and creating. And I think I'm having the most fun right now coming up with stuff because it's there's nobody to answer it to. And I've never had that before. I used to have to create with a boss that had to approve it. And most people do. You know, most creatives in the corporate world have a boss they have to answer to. And the idea that you have complete freedom, but you still have to make a profit is, is a real fun challenge. So I would say currently the things I'm developing are the most fun for sure. Um, out of curiosity, like, how many shit have you created, invented so far? Uh, I've invented probably a dozen physical products and um, 50, 50 to 70 uh, downloads, you know, things where, or, or things written in a book that people could study. But as, as far as physical products that ship, um, I think about a dozen, about 12. Fire is also one of my favorite. I remember I used to watch the videos and uh, the entire concept, the pictures. I actually used some um, for the advertisement I did. Um, I actually used some of your pyro pictures because they were my favorite. You with the fire and it just yeah. so cool. <laughs> I mean, that became that sort of accidentally became my brand. And that's just what people knew me by was the fire guy. So I developed a few more really cool fire things. and. Um, you know, I get asked a lot this idea of what is it? What is it about fire? Like, why do people go so crazy over it? And I think 
it's multifaceted, but I think it's it really boils down to that it's dangerous, right? It's a it's a really dangerous thing that from the very earliest age we were taught to be careful of. So this idea of being able to somehow control that is exciting to people.、Um, so actually, one of the things we've got, one of the first Volpine projects, will be something really cool with fire as well. So. Yeah, you know, we we hate being taught not to play with stuff, and then here you come and give us fire to play with. So. Yeah. Yeah. And people love it, you know. People, I didn't expect it to get as crazy as it did, and and it it got really crazy really fast. So, you know, it was、well, just like Elon Musk's flamethrower, right? This silly toy that he invented, almost as a joke, became they sold out in minutes on this thing. Nobody needs a flamethrower, but everybody wants one, you know. So there you go. All right, you also wrote five books. I did. Are you writing any one right now? Yeah, but this one,、uh, this one's challenging.、Um, so basically, we're trying to write a book that feels like a magic trick. So at the end of every chapter. You're astonished, so you're reading the chapter. But when you get to the end of the chapter, there's a moment of astonishment, a moment that hits you where you have to stop for a moment, and it's really, really challenging. So I don't know if it's ever going to see the light of day, but if it hey, does, you, you can tell us that and get us excited, and then tell us.、No. Come on now! I mean, trust me. <laughs> it will. It will come to life in one way or another. Um, but it's very much in its infancy right now, and and、uh, it's my partner and I are writing it together. So it's just a, it's a lot different than anything I've ever done. But yes, we are. You know, we're I've got about thirty thousand words written, but that doesn't it. They're the they're the meat of the the concepts. There's no there's no no special sauce yet, and, and the idea we've got if we can make it come to life is going to be really cool. And I think. Organically, we'll we'll get talked about and shared around, but challenging. So I'm currently writing, but、um, we're not getting we don't have much progress on it. So you have to. That has to be my second book of yours that I own. So you gotta get it moving, okay? <laughs> I'm, I will do. I'm, trust me. I know. I think I, I own your last one, Creativity. The Magic Formula. Yes. Yep. Awesome. Yeah, I also I'm waiting on my sweatshirt too. Yeah, I just had that. <laughs> I mean, that's my favorite design.、Uh, I have it in a coffee cup. I have it in a t-shirt. I know. I couldn't decide.、Uh, I'm a sweatshirt person, so I couldn't decide between that one and the A W one. And I was like, "Fuck!" But that one looked really cool in white, and the other one I wanted in black. I was like, "Let me start with the white one." The creativity. People go, what the hell is that? Oh, dripping, dripping in creativity. It's cool. So,、um, it's the tight, it's the cover of the book, but it's just a really dope design too. So, it is. It is. That's probably my favorite for sure. Cool. We're on the same page on that. <laughs> All right.、Um, now that we've covered your inventions and your books, there's also your you you have done a few TED talks. Yes. How was that for you? Great, you know those are really fun.、Um, I got I've done three、uh, for Beacon Street, so the the Boston TEDx, and it's been great. You know they've been challenging. You know the first one was scary as hell, and then the next two were just sort of fun and and 
you know, you don't get paid for TED Talks. You don't you don't really get to talk about anything you want. You've got some you've got some standards that you have to keep within whatever the theme of that talk is. Um, so it's challenging. It's like writing a keynote speech for a corporation without the pay and you get a third of the time because they've got to be like 12 to 18 minutes, which is challenging. So they're fun, but they're, you know, they're challenging. And people, a lot of people ask, how do you get them? They're actually, they're, they're not hard to get TEDx talks, right? You, you just call all the TEDx places around your area and find out what the upcoming events and themes are. And if you have something that fits, then you just kind of outline what you would talk about. And if they accept it, then it's a really good platform for people who are trying to get into speaking because they have coaches that will help you to make sure you're doing it right. And, you know, I advocate to everyone who wants to be a public speaker, contact your, your TEDx. Now you might not, if you're not up to par, they won't put you on stage, but they'll certainly help you get to where you want to want to be eventually. So they're amazing outfit. And, um, each time was a really cool experience. Now that that's a very good thing to know because um I used to love TEDx like uh, when I was in undergrad and I always wanted to uh, to be out there and giving my own TEDx until I got to grad school and we actually had to do one and how strict it was as you said um stick to the topic and the time and everything it was exhausting I was like oh wow so it's not as simple as it looks. Yeah. <laughs> But now to know that um, they actually coach you through it and help you, um, I look into that. I, I get shy when I have to do public speeches and stand in front of people and talk. Most, most people do. You know, I, it's the number one fear in the world is standing in front of people and talking. So it's very common to, to be nervous to speak in front of people. But most of the time, once you, most of the nervousness comes from lack of preparation. So the overall nervousness is the idea that we as humans want to be accepted by our peers, right? That's like an internal, massive, important drive in us as humans to the herd mentality, like make sure everyone likes me. But if you've landed a speech, you know you're getting on stage, the easiest and fastest way to get rid of being nervous is to get on stage as many times as possible, right? If something scares you, do it as many times as, as possible until you're not scared anymore. But even people who have done a hundred speeches and are still nervous, it's usually because they're not prepared enough. Because once you're prepared, you can't really be nervous. You go into autopilot, right? If you've prepared to the point where you know this thing front, back and center, you have the first five minutes of the show, you're gonna get nervous. But as soon as you start speaking, all that preparation just takes over. Um, so it really comes down to, you know, to get better, you have to do more. And the e easiest way to do more without being nervous is to make sure you're extremely prepared. You know? Now, my problem is, um, I think that's the reason why I also went into podcasting and maybe probably you're the first video ever I'm doing. Um, if, when everybody told me to, to, to do YouTube live or YouTube series, I was like, no, that's video. When I know somebody's watching me, I get nervous. Like everything just, however much prepared I am, everything just goes away. Like even here talking to you, I'm nervous and you're the easiest, calmest person to talk to, but it's the thought that you're watching. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, it's the herd, it's that pack mentality of acceptance, right? You want acceptance from every other person and that's a normal, a normal thing. And when the eyes are on you, it's, 
it's everything, right? What is this? Is, is this wrong? Is that wrong? But I heard a really good quote a while back, um, that idea of like caring too much what other people think. And it was, uh, you'll stop caring what people think about you when you realize how little they do. And it's very, <laughs> you know, like most people are so consumed, almost everybody is so consumed with their own lives and they're so worried of what other people are thinking of them that you have like multiple people that are all concerned, oh, this person's thinking this of me, but no, they're not because they're too concerned with themselves, right? And, and what's happening in their own lives. So I, I just try and look at stuff as like, if you're always vulnerable and transparent and true, you're gonna piss off a lot of people and lots of people aren't gonna like you or aren't gonna think you're pretty or smart or funny. But the ones that do are the ones that matter, right? Those are the ones that like you for the 100% truest version of you. And those are the ones that will be with you in 20 and 30 years. And it's like, why would you put so much effort in making people care about you? And I say this because I do, this is like an internal dialogue, right? Like why, why give a shit what other people think when the ones that actually think about you don't give a shit about any of that, right? Like my sister and my parents, they don't fucking care if my hoodie is stained or my, like, they just care that I'm doing the best I can and I'm happy. And I think you can just amplify that on a grander scale, right? And just say, even on social media, I'll post something, but you're nervous about what people will think about it. Well, the people who dig it are the people you should be surrounding yourself with anyway. And if you try and put a fake or a phony or a front up, then you're getting people who only care about that phony. And it's like, that's not a good way to live life, right? If you can just be fully transparent, vulnerable, and real, then the people who follow you and come into your circle, those are the ones you keep, you know? It's funny how you brought up that quote, because I, 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 I knew that quote, but you also told me that the, the, the first time we met, you told me the same quote too. <laughs> it's probably because I try and think of it a lot, right? I try and think of that for myself as like, well, will I look stupid if I post this? It doesn't matter. You made it because you wanted to and it was in you and now it's out. And if it touches one person and a thousand people hate it, okay, you know, like who cares? So it's probably why I've said it multiple times because if I keep saying it to myself, then maybe I'll start believing it, you know? Oh yeah, it's a good way to live. <laughs>